Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Lenny here, and I had the pleasure of going on uh, the one and only uh, Sarah's podcast. So now she's on mine, uh, but I'm not gonna let her. I'm not gonna let her start because I gotta tell her a story. Uh, so when I was getting um, divorced, um, I really needed to be in Arizona, and I couldn't. I couldn't. Like I'd never been there before. I didn't know anything about it. But for whatever reason, like I was getting up at like 5 a.m. and I was hitting those epic sunrises in in uh in Arizona. And just like I was it was it was the hardest thing to describe because my soul had never felt that on fire before. Like it was like everything felt. So I met this lady uh in Joshua Tree, and I was talking to her. I'm like, do do souls do they need to be? in the desert and the way that she described it i still have the text to this day when your heart is exploding to let go or you're older and you're trying to um find a new version of yourself there's no trees in the desert so your soul's open to explore and the wind and everything that's happening is is more of a recreation a rebirth when you're younger or you're in a fight or flight mode it's better to be around the trees because the trees are comfort. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show, Austin. <laughs> um, this is interesting, right? Because the, the, the concept of the desert is it's like a drought, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're trying to recreate ourselves, it only makes sense that we're in a space with nothingness because this is like a blank slate mm -hmm. and it allows, it allows us to be open to receiving, um, not what we think we want, but what we actually need when mm -hmm. you're in the, when you're in a, a, a desert, it's a, a wasteland, you don't have the luxury of choice. Mm -hmm. You just, you are given what you need and mm -hmm. how many, and how many biblical stories we hear of transformations and uh, interventions, divine interventions happening in the desert. I mean, men being fed by birds, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like this, this is where I really feel that uh, we are met by God in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. I like that. That is the truth, because I think ultimately, you and I kind of went through the same you know, what called desert, right? We, we had things, lots of things. And as we pared down the things, the freer we felt. Yes. I was just talking to a friend the other day and I said, and he's like, tell me about your camper life. Tell me about your RV life. And I said, I have to tell you, um, the more things I got rid of, the more abundance I began to welcome into my being. And this had nothing to do with what I had, like all of the states the higher level states higher vibration states that we all seek i think on this spiritual growth path if you're on a spiritual growth path you're seeking the higher states the higher vibration states 
abundance, love, you know, truth, freedom, these things. And truth be told, until you go through um, almost like a sage's journey, you have no idea what those concepts mean. You don't know what freedom means. You don't know what confidence means. You don't know what abundance means until you eliminate this whole path is a path of elimination in order to acquire the states that we all want. And it has nothing to do with acquiring things. And what this is what, what are, I love. And what are, what were you eliminating out of your life? Okay. The things I was eliminating b- besides physical things like possessions, um, you know, I eliminated a very comfy living situation. I was, you know, I was comfortable. I had a very nice place, great view. But the other thing I eliminated was the um the the weight of perception the weight of judgment because from the outside looking in you know when you're pursuing business growth and all these things you you almost have this attachment to how people are perceiving your your success and oh my gosh god forbid you go to live in an rv all of a sudden you people think that you're that you're failing so I had to, one of the biggest things I had to eliminate was this attachment to how I thought people would see me. Um, and if they thought that I was a failure. Well, I was just talking to a guy about this the other day. I had a mentor of mine who stopped working out for three weeks and would stare at himself in the mirror for three minutes a day. And he wanted to see what he would say to himself, but more importantly, he wanted to make sure that when he went back to the gym and he was working out that he was doing it for himself and nobody else. Mm. I think that the, the perception and the fear of judgment is one of the biggest strongholds that, that it has on us spiritually. It's the biggest spiritual stronghold that I felt because it really is just a fear state. And anytime we're operating from a state of fear, we're not operating from a place of love. And so instead of, instead of um, doing a pull type of lifestyle, actually, we talked about this on my show. Um, you had mentioned that you were pushing, you were, your fuel source was anger at one time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, that runs out really quickly. And it also exhausts you very quickly. It is exhausting. Um, and it's the same here. Whenever we're in fear, we're pushing, we're forcing, we're pushing, and this it, this this uh, it dwindles our energy reserves. Rather than operating from a place of love, um, it's it's a flow state. It allows. It's magnetizing. It pulls. Mm-hmm. We want to pull rather than push. And how did and you know I talk to you now, and you and I you we can go for hours and just chat about life and. You know, you seem very um, uh, confident in your direction. Is this how you always were? Confident in my direction? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, yes and no. I think I've gone through phases. I think I went through like... Um, Ignorant confidence, (laughs) meaning, meaning like I always, I always operated out of that place where I'm like, yep, I know where I'm like, I'm know where I'm going. I got this. I'm, you know, this is my direction. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was ignorant in a way where I, 
it was a false sense of confidence. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I truly did the fake it till you make it type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being conf- being confident in my direction. But but at the same time, like I, I had other influences too. The answer to that question in short is no, I wasn't. Because I was very codependent at a time. I was codependent in my marriage. I was codependent in my family dynamics. And I was more focused on pleasing those people rather than going in the direction that I was supposed to be going. Um, when I finally broke free from that, I, I always knew my direction in life in general, my calling and having said no to it for so many years, finally at a breaking point with my own marriage, which I eventually left, I made a decision in that moment. I made a decision that I would never, ever, ever again say no to my calling and by saying yes to something or someone else. That was just a decision that I made in in a a very hot moment, in a very climactic moment. And since then, I never looked back. Now, I've been confident in my my direction, but at times, unconfident in my approach. I like that. Because I think deep down, you knew, but it was like, no, I 100%, I I could tell you that exact moment that you just described for yourself, I had one similar. Mm-hmm. with my ex-wife like and mm-hmm. it was it was the first time in 36 years that I ever said it out loud yeah like, and, and and there was no going back right there's it no was, going was, back you know and so what you know what proceed you know besides you know maybe marriage not working but what preceded you to to gain enough confidence to be able to say that moment because so many people have it stuck inside them Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think um, what I relate it to is being in the fire, you know, like you're being, it's like you're boiling in a pot for so long. And I, I feel like all that time, even if I tried to get out of my marriage sooner, or even if I tried to make that decision sooner, I don't think I would have been ready and able to stand on my own two feet and fully commit to that lifestyle. So I think I was being forged in the fire for years and years and years. And there was, there's a couple of ingredients that make my situation unique. Number one, my family upbringing was very much confined, restricted, and I felt trapped. I felt trapped and I felt like I was the, um, I was the scapegoat for all, for the entire family. I was the family mentor, I was the family mediator, I was the family counselor. And, and there was constant uproar. So I felt trapped there. So this is a regret threat on my freedom as it is, right? Uh, So this ingredient had set the stage. And then following that path, because, you know, our pain makes us comfortable. So we usually, before we realize what what it is, we put ourselves in the same situation that, because it's comfortable, right? Or it's, it, we, it's known, we know that. So we'd rather be in the same painful situation than have change. So I did the same thing. And after years and years and years of that forging and almost fortifying within me, like fertilizing, um, it, I think it just grew to a breaking point in a similar way way with you. Grew to a breaking point where um, I could no longer stay in that cage of life. And this this goes for marriage. It goes for really any. It goes for job. What it really is is a mental state, a mental cage. It was my own chains that I had put on myself. I could have stood up for myself sooner. Um, but it was a cage that I chose to stay in that kept me from freedom and from pursuit of my calling. 
And when you and, get through, and when you get through it, you tell yourself the same thing I would imagine all the time. Man, I should have done that sooner. <laughs> you know. One, yes, yes. You know, yes. it's like Kyle Cease is one of my favorite people, and he says, you know, everybody's so worried about telling the truth because what they can lose is quantifiable. They have no idea what they might gain because that's unquantifiable. That's beautiful. And you know what? This is uh this reminds me of a, a post I made the other day about a flower. And you know, there's um there's in a in a flower, there's always sometimes like half dying buds. And those half dying buds are taking life from the new buds that are going to be sprouting. And so it's like, but you you see the buds and you're like, oh, but they're not dead yet. We'll just keep them on the plant, right? keep them on the plant so they continue to suck life from the potential new life that's coming. And mm. so what a metaphor for life is we are so scared to strip away what it's like. It's not, it doesn't appear to be killing us, but it is absolutely taking life and energy away from the explosion, the potential that we could be reaching. If we just said, you know what, this is, this is going down. I can take it off now and I can have a lot of new life quicker. Mm, I like that. So when you, cause you do, you do host retreats and uh, you do these amazing events with these women, uh, you know, is this something, um, you know, that you've always had in you that you've always wanted to do? Did Sedona bring it out of you? Um, you know, mm -hmm. for me, there's about four, three different places that no matter how many times I see it, Every time I see it, my heart skips a beat. And mm -hmm. Sedona is one of those places. I don't, I've been there many, many, many times. But when I'm there and you see the red rocks, every time for the first time, it's like, oh. Oh, you know what? To be honest with you, Austin, I've been doing this my whole life. Okay. Okay. In in many different ways. Like I said, I was the teacher and I I mean you know, childhood story, my stepdad would come to me and say, can you please mediate this? And I'm, I'm an eight-year-old girl. And my stepdad's coming <laughs> to me to mediate, you know, and to be, so I've always, and it's not something I can take credit for. It's just my, it's just what I'm supposed to do here on this earth. And I believe that, you know, this is just, you know, um, I fully believe in destiny and Dharma. And mm -hmm. I, I do believe it takes us several lifetimes time, to accomplish our destiny and our dharma and i just believe that this this happens to be my time like i'll complete my soul's journey in this lifetime so i came into the world a little bit like advanced so i've always been doing it but what was interesting is um after the divorce um you know i had to start my company very quickly and i was doing fitness coaching yes but i was doing more mentoring and it quickly evolved into a uh, lot, you know, group Zooms where I was taking people through workshops, building workshops just on the fly. And it, it eventually was like, I, I just know that this is, this is so natural for me. It feels unnatural not to do it. It feels unnatural not to have groups of people to teach. That's just, it's like breathing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Eight years old, uh, media. I can only imagine. I'm sitting here thinking that is just a trip. So, so, so somebody who's been a mediator for that long, you know, what would you say 
gets people in those situations, more importantly, what do you think stabilizes those situations that people can do in their own lives? Uh, since you're so good at it, maybe, maybe not jumping to emotional decisions. Um, stabilizing conflict. Yeah. I mean, cause you're, you're sitting there and you're going, all right, guys, you know, I, trust me, I'm, you know, as much as I do fly off the handle, especially in my younger days, I was still the, uh, kind of, uh, we call it a Dr. Phil at work. I was, I was the Dr. Phil, you know, everybody came <laughs> yeah. to me. They still do it now, you know, so I know we, we're very similar. Yes. Well, that, that makes sense why we click so well. Oh yeah. That's, that, that's a good question. I think what it, what it takes to diffuse these, um, um, in, intensified situations and emotions, you know what? I think it takes awareness. A, number one the deep deep awareness like if you're trying to mediate just by yourself without having a mediator it's going to take awareness because I think what's very important is that everyone's responsible and taking ownership for themselves first and so if we're if I'm taking ownership and I'm aware of my own emotional state my own ability like can I show up right now can I show up without being um, irrational and saying things that that I don't mean because I know I can't take that back. Do I need to remove myself? Okay, this, all this, everything comes back to awareness. If the answer is no, I cannot contain this right now. I need space. Then we need to communicate that. Yeah. Then we take that. We take well, the space. Well, mm -hmm. that's the problem is that you, you know, I make a joke, but you lose your job. And then 30 people ask you five minutes after you lost your job, where are you working? It's like, it's like, yo, have some, <laughs> let's take a day. <laughs> let's take a day or Go people get walk. or people get married is when are you going to have kids no are like, you freaking kidding me right now my entire adult life all right 13 years of marriage and now two years in and uh engaged again i've been they've been asking me when i'm gonna have a baby you know and, and here's the thing that this is what it this is what it comes down to it's about thinking about other people before yourself because you know what people are asking those questions because they're selfish mm right? That's what it comes down to. Their self, their curiosity is just, they can't contain it. They have to ask you a question, not knowing that it's kind of offensive. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I use it from a different context, but when I got sober, you know, people would ask me all the time, well, when are you going to drink again? And I'm like, that's a fucking retarded part of my language. But I'm just like, why are you asking this to me? Like, doesn't even make sense to me. I would There's never... so many questions well, there's so many questions, you know, like, like I made, I did this long rant, right? And people think I'm joking. It's like, I really try not to stick my foot in the fire, but, but I was a little fiery back in my younger days when I started this podcast, I'm a little more seasoned now, but like, keep it up, <laughs> like, keep it up is a, is a bullshit response because by you saying, keep it up, you're saying, you don't think I can continue it. I don't like that. I know to you, it might sound great. But to me, it tells me that you have no confidence in me. Yo, oh my gosh, that, that is so true. So, so this reminds me of, so when I suffered from an eating disorder and people would say things that they don't realize, like that was really, that, that does more harm than good. Like, um, well, let me think of an example. So when someone is suffering from an eating disorder, right? It's such a sensitive thing. And they would say things like, oh, you could use a cheeseburger. 
or like, or if you did eat food or something, it's like, good job. And then you're like, whoa, like they don't, they like, like you said, they think that they're doing a good thing, but to someone who's in an illness and a sickness and a disease like that, what they hear is, oh, oh, if I'm getting that, I ate a lot. Good. I no, I don't want that, you know? And it's like, so I think it's really important to have an awareness. I think it's important to have awareness of the other person's states, your own states, and also be honest with yourself. And do I have the knowledge? And if I don't know anything about this subject or this, well, or this. Well, what's crazy is I, I heard a woman, she was on a podcast and she said uh, she was an Olympic athlete and she had an eating disorder for, for 14 years. And she went through like, 15 therapists right and the reason she went through 15 therapists is she said y'all are over here trying to talk to me about eight years old i'm trying to make it to fucking tuesday did you, can get, you hear did you get me that? yeah i can hear you she okay, said yeah. so she said she said uh you're over here trying to talk to me about my eight-year-old self i'm 35 she goes, I'm trying to make it to motherfucking Tuesday. Like, I don't want to talk about eight years old. She goes, let's stabilize me. Like, and it's the same way I help people with alcohol addictions. I've never once said, stop drinking. Let's stabilize you. Let's dial it down just a little bit. And then we'll start pecking away at it. It's not, you can't go from rare to rare, like in 2.5 seconds. Yeah, I think, I think um, progressions and meeting people where they're at. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and coming back to even like the, con the conflicting situation, um, this again, and can you hear me? Okay. Mm -hmm. And this again, comes back to, um, selflessness, not being selfish, because I think sometimes we want to resolve the conflict so quickly <laughs> that we, we lose the person in the process. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Now we're cracking up a whole can of, of worms. I will call myself out. I will call myself out because every man that I've coached has the same problem, but I'll be the poster child. Okay. Okay. Do it. God bless my ex-wife for this one reason. And one reason only because she's made me be able to stay married with my now wife for the rest of my life with this one tip. She says to me, Hey, this is, I'm literally speaking word for word. Hey, motherfucker. You're not my coach. You're not my trainer. You're not, you're not any of those things. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I need you to support me and be there for me. Stop telling me what to do. And she, and that was, I said it a lot nicer than she did, but it was in that moment. I said, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. So I can be a coach in this setting, but that's my, that's my spouse. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't be her coach because then we have a, the dynamic of the relationship is super awkward and, yes. and vice versa. Right. And, and so, you know, I could go into massive detail on that, but I think if, if I had to guess, I would say a lot of men are, 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 you know, trying to tell, try to tell their wife like, Hey, work out or, or do this, or you should do this. And it's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on cowboy. Like, that's not what they want. And that's not going to get the point across. Right. And I just see that so often. That's, that's an interesting dynamic. The, um, the spouse is trying to 
health like i i this 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 comes up so much in in fitness Mm. is that the guys are always pushing their girls to like get in the gym and be fit and be healthy and all these things and i can tell you from experience that that actually caused me to go into a relapse of my own eating disorder because my partner at the time was you know they i don't know what they think they're doing if they think this is a good tactic but to say you should look like her on tv like look how fit she is you know like you should get in the gym and it's like um, I think that we need to understand um, and be humble enough to say, um, this, this is a good place for my role. This is a good role for me. But this, this thing over here is probably a good role for someone else. And I'm just going to encourage and love on this person so that they can get themselves in environments like, listen, you guys do not have to be the savior. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to be our everything because we're not your everything. There are certain things and roles that people fulfill in your lives that we cannot. You know, your guys fill a certain role. Your business mentors fill a role. Your mom fills a role. And that woman cannot do all of those things. But if she wants to, and there's a sense of jealousy, like, why do you go to the guys for that? And you don't go to me. It's like, because that's not the place for you. And like, I don't want to put you in that bucket because then our dynamic changes. It becomes yeah. very weird. I, I have a, uh, and I'll use it in a simple context, but it's real. You know, there's a lot of pressure on me, you know, uh, moving across the country, being CEO of a big company, et cetera. I have a business partner, one of the co-owners who uh, we, him and I like golf. Like we both like golf and music, right? And so he spotted about three months ago that I didn't have an outlet because it's all on me. I'm here and running. So now about five o'clock every day, we start sending songs to each other and we talk a lot about golf and stuff. And we don't talk about business ever for the most part. And he has kind of filled that role that I needed because I had nobody to talk to that wasn't about work because it's 24 yes. seven over here. And it's, it's wild when you're around great people that can pick up on those things. And, uh, you know, perfect example, I had another owner come up here for 24 hours and she goes, I'm, I think I'm going to go home. And I was like, no, you're not like you, I need, I, I need, I need you here. And so now we put in a new rule. Like if you're an owner, you got to come hang out with me for once a month, you know? And it's like, just having that person then, you know, it's like, it's like, it's it, it, when you get older, you, you have a tendency to just ask for what you need. You don't, you're not going to beat around the bush. It's like, I, I know I need this. Because because I've done enough work and I'm self-aware enough to know I need an outlet. And you know that because in the past, when you haven't had that, it's led to disaster, mm -hmm. either of yourself or of relationships. And um, this comes down to something that we know very well about victim mentality. What this comes down to is not sitting on the sidelines saying like, oh, I'm so depleted. I'm so exhausted from pouring into everyone else. Like that's just a martyr situation and a victim situation rather than saying, you know what? I need an outlet. I need, I need a space where I'm getting filled back up. Um, hey, bro, can, do you want to go out for, you know, can you want to go out for golf or something? Mm -hmm. I love that. And actively speaking. So I'm, I'm curious, because uh, I know you're there and you just moved in the RV is the RV more of a travel thing or is it just the house for now? Or is there an eventual plan to like take it and, and go other places? 
Okay, love this question. So it's actually rooted right now. So I'm not really moving with it. It is my housing situation. Um, the, the grand plan for Sarah Malone is actually to own a property with. Uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. I got to stop because I love little things. For you to say your full name was so money for me. Like I loved every part of it. Like <laughs> I'm moving, I'm doing that from now. Well, the plan for Austin Linney is moving forward. Like it's just so great. Like okay, you can go back. <laughs> yeah, there's something about that plug. Uh, the grand plan for Sarah Malone is, uh, so I will have a property in which I'll build a facility for a sanctuary of healing, uh, and that's where I'll also live. So that really RV is a good, a really beautiful and perfect pit stop on the way to, for however long that takes. Um, it puts me in a position to save a lot. It puts me in a position to understand and acquire a lot of wisdom in this season. So it's rooted. It's on my friend's property. We do a lot of healing work together. So it works mm -hmm. beautifully. Um, but eventually I'll have a healing space. So this is, this is an interesting topic. I think when you do a lot of work, I think you're comfortable with temporary seasons. And I think a lot of people they're so rooted in the guaranteed and like they're they're like well how long are you gonna be traveling how long are you gonna be doing this and i'm like i don't know like no. when it, you know and, and like being able to respect those seasons right and i i would say one of the best things i did for myself is when i'm not feeling it or i don't have that true energy um i don't um push uh, let me let me rephrase that when i don't have it i i don't second guess it but i wait around for it to catch up i still get my work done but maybe i don't go as hard as i used to like mm. trying to find it find it and oh, yeah and, and like knowing that like this is what i would tell myself in like two months when it's crazy bananas you're going to be begging for those rest days back oh my gosh preach it so what I have realized is God always gives us what we need, not what we think we want, but he always gives us what we need. When I first landed in Arizona, I had a long stretching season that was giving me a lot of rest. And I fought it at first, thought I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be this slow. I shouldn't be, I should be doing more. And like you, I learned that every season, it's really important that we enjoy and fully be present for that season because the rest is preparing you for the hustle and the hustle is preparing you for fruit and the fruit will, will allow you to rest more later. And everything is cyclical and everything is seasonal. Okay. And I also think, though, that people struggle with those seasons because, again, back to judgment, the judgments of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, they're, they're, I, I, I wrote on Saturday on Twitter, I said, make sure the mountain you're climbing is your mountain. Oh, Austin. Oh. I host a monthly women's gathering 
and I lead through meditation. And one of the meditations from the women, we were doing like a walking the path. And she said in her meditation, she, all she saw was a bunch of other people's feet, like ahead of her, walking ahead of her. And I said, hmm, are you sure you were on your path? Dude, it's it's Ed Milet dropped a post, dropped a podcast on Friday, and he said if if any time in the last twelve months that you felt uncomfortable, you're where you should be. Oh and it's God. like it's the truth, right? Because I think I think when we're and I, I'm talking I'm talking about from the alcoholic Austin, when we're when we're self soothing with booze or distractions or we're doing this, it's because it's because we can't handle the uncomfortableness. Like, it's like, I, I try to tell myself all the time, like, dude, don't get me wrong. I'm still frustrated, but like, I would like give up everything six months ago to be exactly where I am today, vice versa, so on and so on. And so like, you have to, those little reminders, those quick little anchor points to say, okay, okay, hold on. This is exactly where you wanted to be. Yes, it's stressful. Take a pause, disappear for the day, or hey, or hey, don't get comfortable with all the success, double down because there might be a long season of drought. Of the desert. Mm -hmm. um, the ironic part about what you just said is whenever we're self-soothing in an attempt to make ourselves comfortable, we actually make ourselves more uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so like when, when I'm working with people and they're like, you know, it's, um, we always want to identify what need is this addiction or this self-soothing or this whatever destructive behavior, what need is this fulfilling? And then we ask ourselves, okay, is it really actually fulfilling that need though? Because usually the answer is no, it's, it's fulfilling that on a surface level, on an impulsive level, but yeah. on a deep level of satisfaction of actual fulfillment, it's not meeting that. And so what we're what we're what we think we're doing, we're not actually doing. We're we're delusional. Mm -hmm. We're deluding ourselves. And I just find that so interesting. So it's like when we when we are looking at it from the bigger picture, the long haul of what is going to actually fulfill this need for me, not in the immediate present, but in my whole life, is it requires you to be uncomfortable before you can be comfortable. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And and then one more thing too, touching on these seasons too, like I think it's really important, like like people need to understand their purpose and their calling. And and when I say understand, I don't just mean like I know what my calling is. Okay. Like my calling is to be a teacher. Okay, cool. But like, what does that actually mean? Because when we look at that and we say this is my identity, my identity, my identity is not like um, business owner or coach or whatever. My identity is this, you know, I'm a teacher. I can teach wherever I am. I'm a mentor. I can be a mentor to whoever. I could go to the grocery store and be a mentor. Okay, so my identity is not what I'm doing. My identity is who I am. And if who I, if I know exactly who I am and like where I'm going, my, my main vision then I know what kind of person I need to be. Now, now we don't just stop there. I know what kind of person I want to be now. What kind of path, what kind of themes, what does that person need to be equipped with in order to be the kind of person you need to be to live into your identity? Now you look at your seasons 
and you say, what tool is this season supposed to be equipping me with so I can ultimately fulfill who I am? And so for me, living in this desert in the, in the RV, I know this is equipping me with the state of abundance, massive wisdom, detachment. I need to be, I need to be comfortable with not knowing what my next step is, because if I know what my identity is way down the road to be teaching and leading a bunch of people, then I need to know how to walk through these seasons myself. And if we can, if we can be comfortable in knowing this season is giving me equipment, tools, weapons, whatever you want to call them to ultimately fulfill who I am, who I'm supposed to be, then I can settle into this present uncomfortable situation and extract the lesson or the tool that I need to without having to rush through it and get out of it as quickly as possible because I don't like how it feels. I'm just giving you the space because you just put on like a seven minute master class. I felt like you were talking to me too. I might have to go back and listen to that a couple of times. <laughs> it, it was everything you said was spot on. It's in the moment of the space of when we shouldn't that we should. Yes. What I mean, and what I mean by that is every time I tell to myself, I don't want to go to this event. I don't want to take this trip or I don't want to do that. Something amazing happens. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and ultimately how many times have you not done the thing people that are listening and you have no idea what could have happened. And why is that? Because it's immediately comfortable. It's so much easier to say, Oh, you know, it's, it's just one event. I don't need to go to it. It's just one podcast. I don't need to show up for it. And sometimes it's like, just that one event or that one podcast or that one conversation that you felt called to make with that person in the grocery store happens to be a domino that gets tipped over and all of a sudden exponential things start happening. It's always that one tipping point. So I look at everything we do as a stacking, right? All we're doing some, for the most part, 90% of what we do is stacking. It's like Jenga, right? We're stacking, stacking, stacking. All the little things, it's just stacking, stacking, stacking until that one piece, that one opportunity, that one door that you choose to walk through tips the whole thing over. And now all of that potential energy that you just generated through all of that stacking, now you actually have movement real kinetic movement that just sends a trajectory of growth forward for you so we can't take those small things you know for, for in vain we got to take them seriously everything matters i love it so if people want to find out about your podcast they want to check you out how would they do that Okay, my podcast is Ignite the Spark Within. I'm so excited. We just started season two and Austin was one of the first guests on my season two. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah underscore Spark Malone. I've got a women's retreat coming up in July. So if anyone's interested, please email me Sarah at sparkflc.com or just DM me on Instagram. And Facebook is Sarah Spark Malone. Wonderful guys. If you got some information that you enjoyed from this, send it to a friend. And we'll see you next time.